Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of Aliana DeFries, who was 14 years old when she was brutally murdered on January 26, 2017. That morning, Aliana left her home to catch one of two buses that she took to school. But Aliana never returned home. When her mom called the school to find out where she was, they told her her daughter never came to school that day. Three days later, Aliana's body was found in an abandoned house, two blocks from where she usually caught her second bus. When investigators collect DNA and review surveillance footage from where she was last seen, it doesn't take them long to find their suspect. This is Aliana's story. The murder of Aliana DeFries on the surface is the random horrific murder of a 14-year-old child. But as you peel back the layers of the story, you find a series of failures. Failures that not only allowed a violent predator to be free, but also the failures of systems that made a young black girl like Aliana vulnerable to an unspeakable evil. Aliana DeFries was born on June 12, 2002, in Detroit, Michigan. Her parents, Donisha Cooper and Damon DeFries, broke up when she was little, but maintained a healthy co-parenting relationship. After Aliana was born, her family relocated to Cleveland, Ohio, where she would split her time between her mom and dad's homes. When she was three, her dad, Damon, got married, and her stepmom, Waitanya, became a second mom to Aliana. Her parents described her as a happy, bubbly little girl. As she got older, Aliana maintained much of her childlike innocence. Even as she crossed the threshold into her teenage years, she still liked to play with dolls and stuffed animals. In 2017, Aliana was 14 years old and a student at E-Prep in Cleveland, where she was a seventh grader. It was her second year at the charter school, and according to her parents, Aliana loved school and rarely missed a day. She had been diagnosed with a developmental delay, and she was receiving special education services at school. 
Aib Prep was not close to where Aliana and her mom lived, and so she had to take public transportation to and from school. Her parents were extremely protective over their daughter, and they did not like her taking the bus to school. And whenever they could, her dad or stepmom would pick her up in the afternoon, but mostly she relied on the bus. Aliana had to take two buses to school, and Danisha said that the only thing that brought her some comfort about her daughter's travels was that the second bus stop was across the street from the 4th District Police Station. Her grandmother told Fox 8 that she would text with Aliana and check in, and she would tell her what bus she was on. And although it wasn't ideal for her parents, Aliana had become accustomed to taking the bus, and she knew to go straight to school and come straight home after. In the time since she had begun at E-Prep, Aliana had not had any issues navigating her way to school and back home. January 26, 2017, began as a normal day for Aliana and her mom. Aliana had to be at school at 7 a.m. for a tutoring session she had before class began. And so, as part of their normal routine, Danisha would walk Aliana to the bus stop and wait until the bus arrived. That morning, Danisha said she walked her daughter to the bus stop at East 154th Street and Kinsman Avenue. That morning, they were rushing to catch the bus, according to Danisha, but she said before Aliana got on the bus, she turned back to give her a kiss and told her goodbye. But as Danisha watched her daughter board the bus that morning, she did not know that it would be the last time she saw Aliana. That afternoon, Danisha was home waiting for her daughter to return from school like she usually did. And although I can't find the exact time Aliana would usually return home, based on when the day started, I assume she would typically be home sometime after 3 p.m. But that day, Aliana did not return home at the time her mom expected her. The reports state that Aliana did have a cell phone, but the calls were going straight to voicemail. Danisha, knowing her daughter, immediately became concerned. But Tanya, Aliana's stepmom, recalled getting a phone call from Danisha that afternoon, asking them if they had picked up Aliana from school, but they had not. After calling and speaking to her stepmom and her dad and discovering that they had not picked up Aliana from school, Danisha's next call was to e-prep to see if maybe Aliana was, for whatever reason, still there, or maybe she had left school later than usual. But when Danisha speaks to her daughter's school, she is shocked by what they tell her. Aliana never arrived at school that morning. Now, by the time Danisha received the information about her daughter not showing up to school, it had been nearly nine hours since she had last seen her. An entire day had gone by, and she had no idea that her daughter was not at school. After hanging up with the school, panic began to set in as Danisha started to realize that Aliana was missing, and she had no idea where she was. At around 4.15 p.m., Danisha contacted the Cleveland Police Department to report her daughter missing. When the police received the report, According to the reports, they contacted E-Prep to confirm whether or not Aliana had missed school and to find out more about the 14-year-old. 
Now, time and time again, the initial assumptions in cases like this is that this child is a runaway. And so police wanted to find out if it was unusual for Aliana to disappear so they would know how to approach this case. But it was pretty clear from talking to both Danisha and the staff at E-Prep, this was not Aliana's typical behavior. She had never done anything like this before. And so police began searching for Aliana around her school, going to local places they knew teenagers would typically hang out. They had learned from those close to Aliana that she was naive and could easily be coerced or influenced to go with someone. And so initially, police hoped that she had just been peer pressured into playing hooky and was somewhere hanging out. But after hours of searching the area and going to several places known to be hangouts for teens in the area, they found no sign of Aliana anywhere. As the hours went by, Aliana's parents were more and more afraid that something bad had happened to their daughter. Although she could be naive, they knew that she knew the rules, and there was no way that she would have gone anywhere that she wasn't supposed to go. They knew in their gut that something had happened to their daughter, and their worst fears were coming true. In the hours following Aliana being reported missing, police, along with family and friends of Aliana, were looking all along the route where she would have traveled that day to school. They knew that she had gotten on her first bus because her mother saw her, but they did not know if she ever boarded the second bus, and if so, where she had gone after she got off. Police knew that there were surveillance cameras on the bus, and so they contacted the Transportation Authority to get footage from the buses that Aliana would have been riding on. While their search for her daughter continued, Danisha began asking questions about E-Prep's lack of communication about her daughter being absent. She had not been notified about Aliana not showing up to school, and had she not called herself, she would not have even known. Danisha had signed up for the school alert system that was supposed to notify her about Aliana's absence, but the school claimed that the system had malfunctioned, which is why Danisha had not been called. Nonetheless, the school's failure to notify her caused hours to go by before police were notified, and critical hours were lost. As the search continued, police received surveillance footage from a neighbor who lived nearby the bus stop where Aliana would get off to catch her second bus. The footage showed Aliana getting off the bus, but it did not show her boarding the second bus. Police spoke to several witnesses in the area who reported seeing Aliana. One person claimed they saw her at McDonald's near her school with another girl that morning, and then another sighting came from a bus driver who told the principal at the school that he saw Aliana getting off his bus at around 3.30 p.m., but neither of these sightings were confirmed to be her. The urgency to find Aliana was increasing. They believed she was endangered, but she also had asthma that required daily medication, and so time was not on their side. In the hours following Aliana's disappearance, there had been extensive searches for her. Police had spoken to dozens of people, but were unable to find any trace of the 14-year-old. 
Flyers were being distributed all around the area, and as news of her disappearance spread, people in the community joined in the concern for Aliana. Cleveland is no stranger to young Black women and girls going missing. People who grew up there can remember countless stories similar to Aliana's, and because they knew how these stories often ended, they were afraid that Aliana had met a similar fate. On Sunday, January 29th, 2017, three days after Aliana went missing, police launched an all-out search, focusing on abandoned properties around where she was last seen getting off the bus. At around 7 p.m., three officers were searching the area when they noticed an abandoned property on Fuller Avenue. The building caught their attention because the back door was open. When they went inside, they immediately noticed that there were bloody footprints on the floors, as well as blood smeared and spattered along the walls. The officers followed the trail of blood to a room where they located a bag of tools that had blood on them. They also found ripped pieces of clothing. The house was dark, and so police had to use flashlights to see, but it was clear that something had happened inside that house. As they continued through, they made their way to a room where the door was locked. Police kicked the door down, and inside the room, huddled in the corner, was a body. When the body was first found, police could not make a positive ID, but they were pretty sure that they had found Aliana. Once detectives arrived at the scene to process the evidence, it was clear that something horrific had happened in that home. Investigators knew that this was not their typical homicide. This was the work of a monster. As the details of what police and detectives found began to be revealed, what happened inside that abandoned home would shock the conscience of almost everyone in Cleveland. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy has so many positive benefits. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Celebrate the progress you've made already. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GirlGone today and get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash girl gone. On January 26th, 2017, 14-year-old Aliana DeFries got on the bus to head to school as she normally did. But Aliana never made it to school. Three days after she went missing, the police made a gruesome discovery. After three agonizing days searching for Aliana, 
Cleveland police found the body of a young woman inside an abandoned building, less than two blocks from where she was last seen. Police were not able to positively identify the body, but they were pretty sure that they had found Aliano. At the scene, investigators recovered several items of clothing that matched the description they had of what Aliana was last seen wearing. They also found her backpack on the property as well. All signs pointed to the fact that they had found Aliana, but now they had to determine what happened to her and who was responsible. It was obvious that there was severe trauma to the body, including bruises and cuts. Police had found several bloody tools spread out in the dining room area of the home, and so they believed that these tools had been used in the murder. Once the medical examiner performed an autopsy, they were able to confirm that the body they found was that of Aliana de Fries. And the autopsy revealed the horrific details of her final hours alive. For the purposes of this episode, I will spare you the gruesome details of her murder. But the medical examiner was able to determine that Aliana had been sexually assaulted, beaten, and stabbed. The tools, including a box cutter, a screwdriver, and a drill, were all used by the killer. They had also determined that based on how some of the wounds had already healed, they believed that Aliana had been tortured for hours before being murdered. The injuries to her body were so severe that the medical examiner could not identify what had killed her. The details of Aliana's murder are by far some of the worst things that I have ever read. It is unimaginable that someone would take this sweet, beautiful 14-year-old girl and do the things that this monster did to her. Fortunately for police, it would not take them very long to identify the person responsible. By that time, police had been able to review surveillance footage from inside the bus that Aliana had been riding on that morning. But their trail had gone cold after she exited the bus and walked out of the view of the bus's exterior cameras. But now that her body had been found, Investigators went back to the area, checking several businesses to see if they had captured Aliana on any of their cameras. They were hoping that they would be able to spot her with someone that was either their suspect or would lead them to their suspect. After visiting several businesses in the area, investigators visited a church at the corner of Fuller and 93rd, just a few blocks from where Aliana's body was found. The church had surveillance cameras outside, and so investigators asked the church for copies of the footage from the day that Aliana was last seen. The footage they got wasn't the best, but they could see Aliana walking into the camera's view. She is alone as she walked up the street, but as she gets to the corner, you can see that there's a man standing there. And based on the footage, it appears that he says something to Aliana, causing her to step back and then they go out of frame. Now, the church had a second camera in the parking lot, which had another angle of the corner. Now, while you can't see the full image of the bodies, investigators could see Aliana's legs along with the man on the corners. Now, after the man says something to her and she steps back, the footage then shows the two figures walking in the same direction, with the man following behind Aliana. And then it appears that he grabs her. 
Although the footage is grainy, you can tell that the bigger person in the footage is guiding the smaller one in the direction of the abandoned house where Aliana was found. The footage was shocking, but investigators believe that they had just witnessed Aliana's abduction on camera. Now they needed to see if they could identify the man who was in the footage. In order to see if they could get a better angle, the investigators rewound the footage to before Aliana got off the bus. They viewed the camera from the first angle, directly outside the church, and when they did, they saw a man walking down the street in front of the church earlier that morning. He goes out of the camera view, and then he comes back into view, walking the opposite direction. He's walking slowly as if he's looking for someone. Now, the footage gives them enough of a description that they can possibly narrow down their suspect. Investigators decided to start with people that were known to police, men who had a history of this kind of behavior. They went through photo after photo looking for someone who resembled the man in the video. And after looking at several potential suspects, detectives identify one that they believe is a match a man named Christopher Whitaker. Whitaker was a registered sex offender who had been convicted in 2005 for the assault and stabbing of a young woman, but had only served four years in prison. When they compare his photo to the images from their surveillance footage, they're 100% sure it is Whitaker that they see in those videos. Once the DNA results came back in, they confirmed that the DNA found on Aliana's body belonged to Christopher Whitaker. Four days after Aliana was found, U.S. Marshals arrested Christopher Whitaker at a home in Mayfield Heights. When Whitaker sat down to speak with the detectives after his arrest, he denied having anything to do with Aliana's murder. When he was asked if he had ever been to the abandoned house where she was found, he said that he had been there a few days before she was murdered, scrapping for metal with another man. But detectives continued to press him, and Whitaker changed his story several times. He admitted that he smoked crack, and at one point, he admitted to being there when Aliana was killed, but he claimed someone else had done it. After hours of interrogation and several story changes, Whitaker eventually admitted that he killed Aliana, but he blamed his use of crack cocaine for his actions. Quote, I turned around and it's like I punched her, but then after that, it's like a blur, like I almost blacked out or something, he said to detectives. Quote, people are going to look at me like a monster. I'm not a monster. I'm just an addict who made a mistake that shouldn't have happened. I don't remember what I did. I just remember when I came through, I was just disgusted with myself, he also said in his confession. At that point, detectives had plenty of evidence to charge Christopher Whitaker, but his confession meant that their case against him was ironclad. After Whitaker's arrest, there was a sigh of relief in the community. So often, cases like Aliana's go unsolved for years, if not forever. And so, for police to have made an arrest so quickly was welcomed by the community. For Aliana's family, it was bittersweet. 
They were happy that the monster that had murdered their daughter was off the street, but it didn't change what had already happened. In February 2018, Christopher Whitaker's trial began. The DA was seeking the death penalty, and the prosecution had a slam-dunk case. The DNA, the confession, and the witnesses that came forward all pointed to no one other than Whitaker. The defense tried to argue that because of his crack cocaine use, Whitaker was unable to make lawful decisions. They did not deny their client's involvement since he had confessed, but they tried to get jurors to believe that he had done so while under the influence of drugs and therefore should not be sentenced to death. The jury did not buy that argument, and on February 13, 2018, Christopher Whitaker was found guilty on 10 separate counts. Ten days later, he was sentenced to death. In December 2018, after her family had been asking the city to demolish the home where Aliana was found, Cayuga County finally tore down the abandoned property where Aliana took her last breath. In 2019, her family sued the school where Aliana attended for their failure to notify them of her absence, along with the city of Cleveland and several others, including the man who owned the abandoned property where their daughter was found. That same year, Governor Kasich signed the Aliana Alert Bill into law, which requires Ohio schools to notify parents within 120 minutes of their child being absent from school unless otherwise notified of an absence. The bill went into effect in April 2019. In 2022, Aliana's family received a $1 million settlement as a result of their 2019 lawsuit. After her murder, Aliana's parents created a nonprofit in her name. The organization advocates for the removal of abandoned homes and for school buses to transport children to and from school, along with several other causes. In the midst of their unspeakable tragedy, Aliana's family has turned their pain into purpose by advocating for children like their daughter. The murder of Aliana DeFries is one of the hardest stories that I've ever researched. The images of a smiling little girl on her way to school with no way of knowing that she would never make it there, not knowing that she would never make it back home is devastating. To imagine the fear that she felt while she was being held in that filthy abandoned home is something I can't even begin to imagine. She was 14 years old. She liked to play with dolls and stuffed animals. She liked Frozen. She was just trying to go to school. I will never understand the evil and cruelty that exists in this world. I will never understand how someone could do something this heinous to anyone, let alone a child. The only solace is that this monster is behind bars and he will pay with his life for what he did to Aliana and her family. May Aliana DeFries rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.